Imaginary play. Why do our kids engage in imaginary play? Why don't they interact in the world the way it is, the way we see it? If you've ever wondered that, join today for some understanding and validation for imaginary play. You may be surprised by how absolutely important it actually is. Does your child have a speech language delay and you really want them to talk? Do difficult behaviors derail home life and you know the frustration is a communication struggle? Does your child see a speech therapist and you wonder, what do they do? And how can I help? If these or similar questions are in your mind, this podcast is for you. Hello, my name is Dina Lynn Rosenbush. I am a speech-language pathologist that has worked with children from birth to 21 for three decades. And in my classrooms, I see you wanting to connect with the heart of your child, but their speech and language skills create a barrier. So if you have a kiddo that has difficult behaviors, needs to expand their language, or learn to say speech sounds, and maybe even receives speech therapy, stay tuned, because In this podcast, you will learn how to use your daily life as a tool to communication practice and how to do that practice. You will become confident knowing you are making the difference you want to make. And you will hear success stories of parents who have navigated these struggles already. We'll do this all while focusing on building deep, meaningful connection and confidence in your kiddo. So grab a cup of coffee, along with a notebook and pen. It's time to speak in the way your child's brain understands. And that is the language of play. Before we begin on today's topic, I want to read a review from Her Holistic Healing. She writes, I listened to episode 81. I tend to forget that my kid's perception of the world is completely different than mine. And sometimes they are not being disobedient. Sometimes I am being unclear or they don't understand. Thank you so much for this reminder. You're welcome. It's true. And it also is related to today's topic. Imaginary play is how our children operate. Many times when I coach parents, they don't realize that the child's brain is entirely in that operation of exploration, discovery, and learning. Very many times, parents need that reminder because you don't operate your whole day in the child development world. Maybe you work with cars or at a store or in the hospital or any number of other things, but your focal point is not how does a child's brain operate. So it stands to reason that you would forget some of these things. I think it's similar to how many times I've been told the same thing about my vehicle, in order to realize, yet again, it's actually a reminder. Or maybe that's something with my house, like changing the furnace filters, or whatever it is. We set reminders for ourselves for the things we don't do all the time. So that is part of the power of this podcast. And if you've been a regular listener, this is another reminder of how it is that our brains operate different than our children's. With that solid backdrop, let's talk about imaginary play. Let's talk about how it is that our children 
imagine what role it plays, what the benefit is, and how you can encourage it in a way that feels good to you. Many times parents say that they don't enjoy getting into that imaginary zone, that they would rather stay in the here and now and the real life. They feel fake. They don't feel like what they're doing is valid. So I am here to dispel all of the thinking about how it's not valid and to dispel the idea you're not making a difference, like you're not being helpful and like it's not real. So that's some of the things we're going to talk about today. Let's start off with a minor list out of many, because if we talked the whole list, we this podcast episode would be way too long. So let's talk about a few ways our children benefit. And these are in no particular order, because what it is that is important for your child at each and every individual stage varies. They also vary day to day, but I don't need to tell you that. You see how they vary from day to day. You might have a totally different kid today from yesterday. And what worked yesterday may or may not work today. This is true. But if you learn how to use imaginary play to your advantage, you can enter that world and teach from the perspective where your child is at that moment. Now, some of the benefits for our own children. One, they try on words. They try on behaviors. They try on these different things that they see other people say and do to figure out how it works. When they say something that they heard someone else say, they watch the reaction. And when somebody doesn't understand them, you can see them morph the word a little bit to try to figure out, oh, how do I say it differently? They also do the same thing with behaviors. They try on a behavior. They go to their imaginary cook stove and they start to cook. And maybe it's going to be a rock and on top of that rock is a disc of cardboard. They can imagine from just about anything. So what does that do? It develops their motor skills to be able to move around different objects, to grab, to stir, to lift, to dump, to pour, to see how things work. They do that with words and with skills. So you hear it helps them develop their motor skills. You hear me say it helps them develop their words and their language. Another thing that's being developed is their social skills. So if your child is playing, uh, say, a two-year-old next to another child, and maybe a three, four, five-year-old with another child, and they are engrossed in this imaginary play, they may be role-playing something that they saw in a movie. They may be role-playing what they think you do for work. They practice talking back and forth, sharing back and forth, turn-taking back and forth. All of the social piece of noticing when somebody gets hurt, being empathetic, being helpful, all of the different social pieces they have opportunity to practice while they're in this imaginary play setting. None of these things that I'm talking about come naturally except through imaginary play. Imaginary play helps our children learn to think. It helps them learn how to problem solve and how things work. Say they're watching the wheels on a car or on a wheelbarrow as they're balancing one thing on top of something else. Along the way, 
somebody can get hurt. And then there's this integration of their emotions with the play. And that means that even in this play time, they're experiencing, how do I handle this pain that I felt when I pinched my finger? And how do I continue to play? Or maybe I'm going to leave the play until my finger is better, and then I'm going to re-engage in the play. They learn a lot about their feelings. They learn about somebody else's feelings while they're playing. When they're exploring their own feelings, maybe they're being Superman and they're pretending they can fly, and so they're imagining what it must be like to fly like a bird. Maybe they're being the Wicked Witch and they're feeling the feelings of anger and spellcasting. Maybe they're being a clown and they're being silly and rolling around and feeling those silly feelings. All of this is integration of feelings as well. How do we use words to explain these feelings that are inside of us? And how do we interact with other people while we're playing? And what if they don't interact the same as I expect them to? Now what am I going to do? And if somebody gets hurt along the way, what do I do? How do I show empathy? Now, of course, the child isn't thinking, how do I show empathy? But these are the skills that are within them that are being developed. They have to solve problems, follow directions. It helps them build their sense of identity. They learn how to critically think. And of course, they learn language. They build their vocabulary, their sentence structures. They have lots of practice with adjectives and how they can get their point across. And it's the time to row. I cannot say enough about the importance of imaginary time. I just spent several minutes explaining what imagination play or imaginary play is. I told you the role that it plays, why it's important, what those benefits are. And now you might be wondering, oh, how is it that you can encourage that? And if you're not thinking that, I hope you start thinking that. Because, like I said, I cannot say its importance enough. So here's where parents tend to ask me when I'm coaching, and I will explain to them, sometimes even with their children in their homes, how to read what it is their children are doing in order to be able to enter the children's world. Playing in this imaginary space is an unlimited amount of tips, tricks, ways, and ideas, but I'm just going to give you a few because I don't actually like being fire-hosed with information. I like to be given a few things to focus on, and then I can do them well, and once I'm doing them well, then let's add just a little bit more. I think it's more effective that way. So the first thing, I want you to set aside some special imaginary play time. Think in terms of time on the clock. And when your children are playing during dinner, but we don't really like them to play during dinner, can you establish a part of dinner that is playtime? Or maybe it's bath time that is going to be their playtime. Maybe it's alone in their room. But the trick here, I think, with this kind of time is that you need to remove the technology. Sometimes parents say to me, but isn't that imagination too? And what I'm going to say is it's a visual. And it takes people into an imaginary realm when you're an adult. 
but for a child, they are watching and they are learning. And I think that I have not seen real good imagination come from that. My experience has been that the children don't necessarily know that what they're watching in the videos is not any more or less real than what they see in real life. So imaginary time, I will say, never include a screen. I do know that the screen might be a catalyst for the ideas that the children play with, just like your work in the kitchen or your work outside, and they see it and they reenact it. And sometimes children will dance and do all kinds of things in front of the TV while they're watching it. And that's good for for motor skills. There is a place for the screen time. But if we're talking about having your child develop the imaginary play skills, they need to have their body focused on the objects and things in their environment without the screens becoming their brain or their own thinking. That is what I see in my practice as a speech pathologist and when I coach parents and when I raise children, all of it, when they play without the screens, that's when that big brain expansion and that deeper understanding really gets embedded. So my first tip, number one, set aside time or allow the time that's already happening to be expanded and don't have a screen. If you find your child isn't playing well without the screen, it could be that they haven't yet learned how to play without the screen. If that's the case, it's even more important. And you teach it to your children just like it is a skill like every other skill you're teaching. Second, provide objects, dress-up clothes, costumes, things that you create that are not exact representations. Halloween is coming. It is October. If you create a costume that is imaginary, that enhances the use of their imagination. There are some really cool costumes out there where they can actually look like Princess Jasmine or a fireman or pirate of the Caribbean, and those are really cool. I'm not negating that. However, are you able to create a costume out of what you already have that requires the stretch of their imagination where they will add more to it themselves? Also, can those costumes be used year-round? Can they play in what you have made them and you don't worry about if it gets wrecked? Can they be allowed to behave in the way that their character is? And this means it doesn't need to be Halloween. It's just simply that they are role-playing all kinds of people, just like how we say put on different hats. Maybe for the rest of the year, the hat alone is enough to become the baker and then the fireman, and then the nurse. Now the third thing, and this is where your cool imaginary interaction happens with your child. When you see them using their spoon in a strange way at the dinner table, can you do the same thing? And when you do the same thing, how do they respond? Chances are they will get more engrossed in what it is that they're doing. And can you continue to do the same thing? And along the way, ask them, what are we? And maybe you'll find out that you are being an excavator. 
And at that time, your excavator shovel, which is the way you're moving your arm strangely at the dinner table, can feed you. And then maybe your excavator arm can feed them. After all, the goal at the dinner table is actually to get them to eat. So you can use their play and enter their world to get what you actually want for them. When you see your child swinging a stick, you can say, that looks like fun. What are we doing? As again, you start to swing maybe your arm in the way she's moving the stick. Maybe you'll find out that it's a magic wand. Maybe you'll find out it's a broom. Chances are it was something you or somebody she saw doing it just a little while ago. Along the way, you can ask your child, Am I doing it right? Or, Why are we doing it this way? Or, What color is yours? Or some other question that will help the child know that you have entered their world and you are asking about them. Now, why does this matter? It matters because you're building connection. You're building language. You are building belief in their capabilities and abilities. You're validating their learning. You're helping them communicate things that they don't know how to communicate always. You're believing the best in them at those times, and they can sense it, which means they believe in themselves more. Remember, all of this imaginary play is practice for real life that is happening outside of their play. But for your child, their imaginary play is their reality. It is their real life. It is their job. That is what they are supposed to be doing at this age. So in summary, imaginary play is how your child learns. The role it plays is substantial and the benefits are many. And you can encourage it by joining them in their world. And when we know the benefits, hopefully it's a lot easier for you to step in. The benefit for you is that you will start to understand what your child is thinking, how they are thinking, and what they are thinking about. I hope you have a whole lot of fun entering their imagination land. And as always, if you have questions, email me at hello at the language of play, and I will be so glad to hear from you. Hey parents, I hope you found this episode helpful. If so, would you please take 30 seconds and share it with a friend who also lives or works with children? I would really appreciate it if you would leave a quick review for the show on Apple Podcasts. I read every review and it lights me up to know that this show is making a difference. Then come join my Facebook community where you'll meet other parents who are dedicated to helping their children grow too. You'll find the link in the show notes. Thank you for joining me. Now it's time to go. Let's pop our kiddos in the strollers and go look around outdoors and see what we have to talk about.